1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
2: This
3: is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to
4: be. Oh, mama! What place! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call our Friday edition, The Tailgate, and oh, do we have a show lined up for you. Now, I had promised two episodes this week, so with the New Year's Day holiday and all the madness of the travel back from Miami for the Orange Bowl, we are packing two episodes into one. So basically, we're going to have an Orange Bowl recap coming up a little bit later on, and a hoops recap slash preview here to kick things off on the Sooner Sports Podcast. But I wanted to take a minute and thank everyone for finding us, for sharing and spreading the word. We put up record numbers in 2018 and we have even bigger goals in 2019. But but just not not just from a downloads or from a listens perspective, but from a content as well, too. We want to give you the best stories, the best interviews the best coverage of the Oklahoma Sooners that you can possibly get. And also, you know, we're diehard fans just like you. So uh, hopefully it's entertaining and it's fun and you have a blast enjoying Sooner athletics as much as we do. And as you know, we're just about 30 days away from the start of Diamond Sports as well, too. And softball and baseball will very much be major topics here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Going to give you some quick thoughts from the Hoops trip to Lawrence men's team on Wednesday night. Toby Rowland coming up here in just a bit then you'll hear the post game with Lon Kruger. We'll hear from Sherry Cole after OU's women's squad started the season 1-0 in Big 12 play and later on in the podcast we recap the Orange Bowl with Sooner Sports TV's Jessica Cootie and Tim Tebow. Toby Rowland caught up with the former Heisman Trophy winner will give us some perspective on the four-team playoff and then And I was hoping to give this to you earlier in the week, but it's still relevant, I think. We'll hear from Lincoln Riley, the head coach of the Sooners, in our final segment in his Orange Bowl postgame presser. A couple of quick notes before we get going here. There is a little bit of breaking news in the Sooner Nation. Well, as I tape this on a Thursday night, the eyeballs have just appeared from Lincoln Riley's Twitter feed. So, I mean, wow, (laughs) that's... That Just to get things started, they had the All-American game, the Under Armour All-American game. So maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe it has something to do with a potential defensive coordinator being named for the Sooners. Regardless, we are all refreshing our Twitter feeds feverishly as we tape this. The eyeball emoji is out. But earlier this week, the eyeball emoji popped out from Joe Castiglione and great news greeted the Sooners to kick off 2019 as Lincoln Riley has agreed to a raise and an extension to stay at the University of Oklahoma. There had been quite a bit of a desire to bring Lincoln to the NFL, but thankfully, Coach is sticking around for another, uh, well, we I, I say another year, another year and beyond. I guess I should say we'll know the details of that contract coming up later on this month. And as we say, welcome back to Lincoln, We say adios to two solid Sooners as Cody Ford, who made the shift from guard to tackle this year, is projected as a top 15 pick in the NFL Draft. Cody Ford declared himself eligible for the NFL Draft, as has Hollywood. Marquise Brown, who fought through what I've been told is a very painful lower leg injury to play in the Orange Bowl, he has decided that he indeed will make himself eligible for the NFL Draft. So we've got Rodney Anderson You have Amani Bledsoe, now add Cody Ford, and Marquise Hollywood-Brown who have declared themselves eligible for the NFL Draft. We will wait, and maybe by the time this podcast drops, we'll wait for official word from Bobby Evans, but uh, most recently, the NFL Draft Twitter account claimed that they had heard rumblings that Bobby Evans could be thinking of making a return to the Sooners. Many have projected Bobby as a late second, maybe early third round pick if he comes back, Maybe after another year, he could be the top tackle in the draft. So we'll keep our fingers crossed and continue to monitor that as the football offseason is in full swing here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Missed them both. Rebound Doolittle. Still a two possession game. Calixte into the front court. Drives. Gets low. Layup is good. It's a four point game. Well, it was a tough one in Lawrence for the Sooners as they fell to the Kansas Jayhawks. Caught up with Toby Rowland, play by play voice after getting back fairly late on Thursday morning. Think about 1 a.m. Toby, kind of take us through a gritty, gutty, determined effort by the Sooners that came up just short.
3: Yeah, they they are, uh, they're resilient. I tell you what's been fun to watch is um, they're so deep that it's fun to watch in the first half Kruger kind of give everybody a shot. He'll roll them all out there. and say, all right, let's see who's got it tonight. And it has been Matt Freeman at times recently. It it wasn't him last night, but it has been. Uh, It has been Jamal Biennemi. Last night, Jamal Biennemi hit some big shots in the second half of that game. Uh, And on down the line, and he is willing to go with uh, whoever it is. You know, you don't see that in the NBA a lot. You know, like like the Thunder, I think they're pretty indicative of everybody. They've got their set rotation. And when it comes to the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter, the starters are coming in to try to win it. But he doesn't, Lon doesn't play it like that. I mean, it's you kind of you going to get a shot early in the game to see whether it's your night, and if it's your night, he's going to roll with you the rest of the way. Uh, seeing that lineup shift, game in and game out, has been interesting.
4: And now they're back home this weekend. You know, some some like to joke that it's for a lot of fans with football now finally over. It's the official start of the college basketball season in some people's fandom. But, man, this is a great opportunity, T. Rowe, and I think the weather's going to clear out of here by then to see a really fun basketball team.
3: Yeah, bedlam right out of the gates. You've got home games the next two Saturdays. Um, all of these home games are vitally important. If they're going to protect the the home floor, you know, uh, I hope it's a great atmosphere. And I think, I think Sooner fans – have started to and will really embrace the toughness of this team. You know, the, when they're diving on the floor for loose balls, when they are uh, flying around 100 miles an hour playing defense, and I think that really fits in with uh, the OU mentality. And so I think, I think we're going to see crowds grow and grow as this season goes along. I hope so. I've been told it's either near or at a sellout for Saturday, and uh, it'll be fun to see the Lloyd Noble Center filled up again.
4: Man, I'm a, I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped to have a basketball team that seems to get. And, and again, this isn't to say we ever have it, but man, you watch them play, and they don't just love basketball, but T-R-O. It seems like they really love playing with each other. Now you get that unique perspective. You're around them more than anyone, but. Uh, at, at team dinners, at shoot-arounds, it really seems like this team digs playing with each other.
3: No, they, they do. They, they like each other. They get along really well. They joke around with each other. There's a real uh, mature sense of leadership to them, even when they're watching film or making sure they're on time to meetings, all that kind of thing. And Christian James has become a really good leader. Miles Reynolds is a really good leader uh richard Odoms is a really good leader so there's there's uh they have fun but there's a real mature sense to this team and when they're going through sets um it's business man i mean when they're you watch them at practice there's not a lot of jacking around i mean it's it's business and if somebody's not paying attention or not in the right place they're all quick to get them in the right place and I don't know, it's just, it's, it's different. I don't know if they'll be more successful or not than some teams we've seen in the past, but I am as pleasantly surprised about this team as any of I have been in the last several years at OU.
4: More on the Sooners' loss to Kansas. T-Row caught up with Lon Kruger in the radio post-game interview. Coach, it felt like you had a chance tonight. The ball would have gone in the hoop for you. Might have got out of here with a W.
5: Yeah, we had a tough stretch here in the first half. Got off to a good start uh, on the scoreboard and uh, then had just a really uh, tough stretch where we weren't making shots. Then we were turning it over, which led to transition for uh, for for KU. So we can't uh, we can't do that. We got we to still clean up our offense. So we can't, you know, I thought we covered them really well on the half court, but just too many uh, transition buckets off of our turnovers. Good night for Brady Manick. You needed him to be big and he was for you tonight. Yeah, some guys stepped up. You know, I liked this, especially second half. I thought we came out and. Fought and cut into that lead, and then they widened it back out. We cut into it again, and so guys, guys, you know, they continue to learn. You know, we got uh, we got to value each possession a little bit more and and take care of it. But uh, the second half, we we fought them well. We covered them again well on the half court and uh, had a little better attack offensively. Second straight game where uh, Christian Doolittle was really
3: aggressive for you. Played well tonight.
5: And we need that. Uh, we need that. We need uh, as many guys playing well as possible. And I think Christian's going to continue to improve in that uh, in the offensive attack area. He, he's getting more comfortable all the time, and I thought he had some good plays in there tonight. Aaron
3: Kaliksti, I thought, also ran the point for you well and hit some shots for you when everybody else was struggling. He
5: tonight. did. Yep, he did. He, uh, he's so quick with the ball. We just got to help him, uh, you know, get to the point where he's, uh, you know, saying about running the club and attacking It's kind of a fine line yeah. there, and, and He's working on that.
3: What uh, What's your takeaway tonight? what what you learn about your team, perhaps tonight?
5: Well, it contrasts the contrast two halves. I thought the first half, when they made their run, we uh, we didn't have the right thoughts. We weren't uh, making the extra pass. We were searching for shots a little bit, and even though some of them were open, they weren't maybe necessarily in great rhythm. So I thought the second half had much better flow offensively. But again, just have to take care of the ball better. I know 17 turnovers uh, in Allen Fieldhouse. You're not gonna not gonna win many. So you got to take much better care of the ball.
3: Uh, here we go. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's the grind of the Big 12, and it's on you, and there's no time to sulk. I mean, you're right back at it against the Cowboys on Saturday. So uh, what do you coach your team up in that regard?
5: Yeah, that's the way the league is, and uh, it's a uh, bounce back right away, and this, this group will do that. This group understands uh, how tough the challenge uh, ahead is, and uh, we've got a home ball game on Saturday that we have to protect the home court and uh, line up next two days in practice and get better.
3: Is there any, um, uh, you know, my thought kind of tonight was, Let's go beat these guys. That'd be a great way to open Big 12 play. If you don't beat them, You've got the toughest game on your schedule out of the way from this point forward. I mean, you're not going to find an atmosphere more difficult than this when you face tonight the rest of the way.
5: Well, that's true. Uh, again, uh, like you say, it, uh, a little consolation, of course, just yeah, getting out true. of the way. But, uh, but that's that's the case. You play them all twice, and we uh, have got uh, 17 left, and uh, we know they're all going to be tough. The Sooners will kick off their home Big 12 schedule this Saturday against
4: Oklahoma State. Get tickets now. Get them. Soonersports.com slash tickets. Not all the news from Wednesday night was bad. A big comeback for the Sooner women's basketball team. To
6: Robertson, left side to Pellington. Shayna will try to drive baseline. Dishes off inside to Simpson. Left corner, Robertson for a three. God! Taylor Robertson with her third
4: three. And the Sooner lead is seven, 62-55. Oklahoma rallies to beat Texas Tech. Brian Brinkley Caught up with head coach Sherry Cole in the post-game show. Coach,
6: the last time Oklahoma played a home game here, I talked to you about being proud of your team and the loss to Connecticut. Had to be really proud of this team, and it's a lot better to be proud and win. (laughs) What a great effort by your team in the fourth quarter.
7: Yeah, I I thought we just uh, sealed ourselves together there in the fourth, and uh, Shana really got going attacking the rim and creating some havoc defensively, and um, uh, just – we, we really just relaxed, Brian, to tell you the truth. The fourth quarter, we just took a big, deep breath and said, play it a possession at a time. And, um, you know, we haven't really shot poorly from the field like that yeah. um, one game this year, Clemson. And um, we really struggled and let that affect us, affect our energy and the quality of our shots. And we did that for a while tonight, too. It affected our energy and affected the quality of our shots. And then in the second half, I thought we were much better about playing through it and not allowing our disposition and our energy level to be affected by whether or not the ball was going in the basket. And it's crazy how that works, that when you do that, when you make a conscious choice to override that human inclination, then suddenly everything is easier and the ball starts going in the basket.
6: Well, and we've seen it through the years. You've talked about it. When you struggle shooting, sometimes it starts to affect your defense. I didn't think it really did tonight. You made Chrislyn Carr work pretty hard for her points. This one of ten from the field and they didn't shoot very well, just 36% for the game.
7: Yeah, and neither one of us made free throws yeah. worth the darn either, so uh, it was kind of, uh, who's going to have the ball last at the end, and we had that, that little surge where Shayna got us going, and uh, I, I thought obviously uh, from that point, and we didn't have much time left when that happened, <laughs> but we just looked so much more like ourselves, Yeah. and and I think, you know, the start of the game, I feel like we were affected by um, the environment, and the people that were here got going with us, but it, it bad weather outside. Yeah. We don't have much of a crowd. We don't have anything to feed off of. And I thought we were pretty lackadaisical at the beginning and uh, their confidence. Uh, they played with a lot of confidence based off their record. Obviously, they bring that in. And uh, then when we don't make shots and we had trouble keeping guys on the floor, you know, yeah. uh, we're so accustomed to having Mandy on the floor and she is our rudder. She is that guy that keeps everything moving. She's a great passer inside. She's a strong rebounder. She's a vocal defender. And we had to play most, well, all but three minutes, I think, of the first right, half right. without her. And then Maddie could never get in any sort of rhythm because of her foul situation.
6: Well, and then you put E.J. in, and then E.J. gets in foul trouble, and we talked in the pregame about the rebounding, and that <laughs> that did not bode well. But you were able to at least hang around. Then they take that 14-point lead there early in the second half, and that's when you could have just cratered. But that's you were able to kind of chip away, hang in there, and then that surge in the fourth quarter. And Shayna and uh, Tater are especially great in that fourth quarter. Shayna got 10 of her 18 in the fourth.
7: Yeah, she, she just uh, used her straight-line drive and got to the rim and finished in traffic. And, of course, Taylor's three in the corner was huge. That was a brilliant pass by Mandy, uh, just understanding what our strengths are and, and how to how to play together and play toward those. Uh, I thought Tatum was big tonight in effort plays, getting on the floor after loose balls, and then uh, running stuff in the second half, trying to get the ball where we needed it to go.
6: Well, and you, you talked about Mandy being your rudder. She only scored two points and only attempted two shots of a seven. Seven rebounds and six assists for her. Those were critical stats right there for you.
7: Yeah, and I love our assist turnover number. Um, you, you can tell by the, the minute, the way the minutes are dispensed that we never were, uh, really able to spend much time of the game with our starting five altogether. And part of that, you know, we're working on a back in and, and as good of a player as she is, it's just going to feel a little bit different with that rotation. We got to get used to that, but, uh, not being able to play Mandy and Maddie together all night. Um, that's how you beat the zone. That's, that's been our recipe. And we just, we didn't have that luxury.
6: Anna struggled really from the floor but two critical three-pointers and she gives you something you didn't have with her out 11.6 rebounds 3 assists and didn't have a turnover.
7: Yeah and and weak side defense I don't know if they ever called a charge or not but she got in a position to take multiple charges tonight and that's part of that uh uh energy that uh, you know game changing momentum kind of deals that she does and I thought her three when we couldn't get a ball to go in the basket was absolutely enormous
6: well we talked about this team and the difficulty of the non-conference schedule and growing up and we saw some of that here tonight didn't we
7: Yeah. You know what? Uh, I I said at uh, halftime, we have to just settle ourselves and not be concerned with the outcome. I felt like after our slow start, we we were scoreboard watchers. We were constantly checking to see if we were ahead or not. And we had to find a way to get them to mentally be in the possession that they were in in the second half. And, uh, you know, we came out at halftime and, and ran a, a play and got the shot that we wanted. It didn't go in. And I thought then we defended well and, and kind of got our feet set a little bit um, in, in terms of, of doing the right thing, whether or not the ball went in the basket.
6: Yeah, and uh, you end up outscoring off turnover. You forced 20 turnovers, outscored them by seven on a night where you got outshot and outrebounded.
7: Yeah, they're, they're really, really big and hard to handle around the glass uh i thought we battled valiantly um early we didn't do a very good job of blocking out but uh, once we talked about it at a timeout i thought our bigs really battled in there just a lot of uh, physicality and and we couldn't get quite a big enough pocket so that the officials could see um the over the back contact and we got to do a better job of that
6: Now, if you can bottle this and take this on the road on Saturday to Kansas State, right?
7: I would just like to bottle the last four minutes. I really don't want to bottle the rest of it.
6: Sounds good to me. We'll talk to you on Saturday,
4: Coach. Thank you, Brian. So, Coach Cole's group of youngsters start off Big 12 play at 1-0. They'll travel to Manhattan for a showdown with Kansas State on Saturday night at 7 o'clock. And we mentioned that men's game in the Lloyd Noble Center Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock against Oklahoma State. For all of your ticket and hoops information, make sure to check out Soonersports.com.
3: Play clock still counting down at four, at three, at two, at one, and it will officially be the top two seeds, Alabama and Clemson, that will play for the national championship on January 7th in Santa Clara. Final score of the 2018 Capital One Orange Bowl,
4: Alabama 45 and Oklahoma 34. Well, it was Heartbreak City in Miami as Oklahoma falls in the Orange Bowl despite a valiant comeback, fell in a 28-0 hole, but fought and scratched and clawed and nearly made it a one-score game late. Jessica Cootie, Sooner Sports TV, joins us now on the Sooner Sports Podcast, and Jess, there is nothing more heartbreaking or challenging than that post game locker room after a bowl loss, is there?
1: You know, it was uh, interesting post game. It was um, obviously none of those things are fun after a loss. Um, but I thought the way Kyler handled it was very impressive. You know, um, he's not one that likes to likes to lose and he's not one that really likes to do media. And so the fact that you know he he um, talked to reporters a little bit after, and I thought he handled it really well. Some of the things he said about, um, you know, coming back and um, how much Oklahoma meant to him. and um, This has been one of the funnest years playing football of his life, and, and just as the way that he handled it, I was just super impressed.
4: In your opinion, Jess, were you able – I didn't get a chance to talk to Kyler post-game, his – the swarm around him was impressive, and you know, I, I I had a chance to maybe grab him first, but you know, it, it's tough. Post locker rooms are post bull loss locker rooms are the worst. It's awesome because the locker rooms open, and you can try to talk to anyone, but guys can tell you no, and that they either they're done. Ty CD was like, man, I'm done talking. I've I've already I'm fine, great. You try to grab someone, it's just, it's a very unique situation, but I I. I hope people realized in what you saw from Kyler Murray with all that disclaimer, just that dude really loved football. And I think it's going to be really hard for him to say, no, I know we got a long time before he has to decide if he's going to go to the combine, but man, I came away that post game thinking that it's going to be really hard for him to just say he's done with football.
1: Yeah. And you know, it was going to, it's going to be that way for either sport. If makes make decision that for either sport, you know, um, that's what I keep telling people. I'm like, I mean, even if it came to the point where he had football and he had to uh, hang it up for baseball, right. it would be hard for him. You know, he loves both. And, um, you know, he's, it's funny. It's like kind of one of those things where, um, you know, growing up and you can play multiple sports, like what's your favorite sport, well, what, whatever season it is. I feel like that's kind of how it is for him. You know, it's, it's, uh, whatever sport he's playing, that's his favorite. And then, You know, it's, uh, he loves both, and it'll be fun, it'll be interesting to see how it does play out for him, um, because I do think it's going to be hard for him to walk away from football, and, you know, he had a fun year, and maybe it makes it a little bit harder knowing that it, I mean, that it was only one year, you know, had he played two or three years, maybe it's, it's easier to walk away from it, but I don't know, you know, I mean, he's one that maintains everything happens for a reason, so... It'll be it'll be interesting to see for sure.
4: Well, um, let's let's put a, a bow tie on the Orange Bowl. Jess, just some final thoughts here before we move on to Lincoln's extension, Cody Ford turning pro, and hoops. But you just you, you wish maybe they get the fumble, maybe the pass in the corner of the end zone that I thought was an incomplete pass on the touchdown is ruled a bobble on third down, and they have to kick a field goal. You just you look back at so many little things that help to kind of accelerate that to a 28-0 lead for Alabama that if you just maybe get one of those calls to go your way, we're having a little bit of a different conversation. But the bottom line here, I love the fight this team showed. A lot of teams would have packed it in down 28-zip. This Oklahoma team did not. Yeah, one
1: one call goes – the other way you just never know and and kyler talked a lot about that he can't he said he talked in his post game about how you know the last three quarters you know feel like they won and the way that they fought and and were able to figure some things out they just kind of came out a little uh i mean they they just he said maybe a little um nervous maybe some nerves you know um they didn't execute and you can't get down like that on a team like that but um you know man just a bad start and and a couple things go their way um you know you never know but it, yeah it was um it was um a tough start and it's tough to overcome for them but the way that they didn't give up and and you know a lot of people could have written them off um after that first quarter and Oh, well, I mean, we're not going to get back in this, but I feel like the way that they, they stayed right in it, it, yeah. it says a lot. And that's one thing that I heard from both um, the two people that I heard talk post-game, um, Austin Seibert and Kyla Murray talked about how this team fought harder than any other team they've been a part of and the way that they've had to fight all year. And they still found a way to fight, even though no, probably everybody else has counted them out. Um, you know, they still fought. So I thought that was it was really – impressive to see that they made it kind of um, admirable uh, uh, to, for people watching that game.
4: Oh, I agree. I, I, I could not agree with you more. And listen, before we wrap up this first segment in which we'll uh, we'll dive into Lincoln's extension and then basketball in the next segment, if you haven't had a chance yet, I think we talked about this last week, Jess. But the feature on the offensive lineman might be the funniest feature that you've done. They talk about the golden boy. Uh, they talk about you get a few impersonations of Bill Beanbow. We already knew they were going to have to replace Ben Powers and Drew Samia, but now we find out that, uh, indeed, Cody Ford is going to turn pro. There's a likelihood that Bobby Evans will turn pro as well too. But in getting to talk to Cody Ford this year, we had him on the postgame show a couple times. You did some interviews with him. What a great personality, and I think he's going to make a really good pro. What were your thoughts on Cody turning pro yesterday?
1: Not surprised. You know, I mean, knew that that was coming. Um, he's so good um, and so smart, and that's the thing is I think people don't realize is Coach Bimbo has – expects a lot from them on the preparing front and and kind of watching the game film, the way that they break it down. Like, they have to know things that most offensive linemen in the country don't have to know, and so I think the way that they understand the game when they leave here is um, you know above and beyond. And and uh, people, the when they go, start going through I mean, you look and Orlando Brown, and you look at there's been several guys that have left that have played under Bill Beanbo that have had tremendous success because they the, what they are expected to do at the NFL level they don't necessarily maybe have to do at a college level a lot of times, but not with Coach Beanbo. With Oklahoma offensive linemen when, that have played under Bill Beanbo, they it, when they get to that next level, it's, they understand what goes into it. Um, so I think the way that he's prepared on that front, but then he's really, really smart. And, um, you know, when I was talking to them, I, I asked them, like, who's the smartest or whatever, and all of them said, you know, we're all pretty smart, and I do. I think that's another thing that he looks at when he recruits is, you know, guys that play the game the right way, but guys that understand it, guys that have the mental capacity to – um, handle every, all the expectations and the preparations and everything that kind of coach Bingo expects from them on the mental level, they have to be, um, have to be prepared in that, in that aspect too. So I think, uh, you know, talking with him, he's super smart and, um, great personality has that switch, you know, that they all talk about what's mean and nasty on the field and, and wouldn't under, wouldn't know it at all off the field. Um, you know, the, the kind of mean and nastiness he has on the field. So, yeah, just a good, good dude. Um, happy for him, and, and I think he's going to be have a great, great future ahead of him.
4: I agree. And uh, he's just part of one of the great stories from this year because it took a, maybe took a couple of games, but just people forget, Cody Ford was a guard that shifted outside to tackle Bobby Evans was a right tackle who moved over to the left side that's not easy I think that's something that I learned from watching your practice reports early just how much of a challenge that was
1: yeah yeah and I mean you think about Cody too um had the leg break you know and against yes. Ohio State and um I had to come back from that and then it was switching around and and moving around and but you know, all of those guys I feel like I've I've heard this, you know, several times from Gabe, from Ty, you know, if if need be, like all of them understand how to play each of the different positions. And I mean and then you look at Drew, he started out on the right side, uh tackle, um, starting as a freshman, and then he moved inside and so yeah, I mean the way that they've had to move around and, and can move around is certainly impressive as well.
4: Well, we know one storyline that will not play out, and that is the NFL poaching Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. I thought it was awesome to see the commitment by uh, President Gallagher to see Joe C. throw out the googly eyes on Twitter. You know, it's he's been great to deal with. I know that uh, for me personally, Jess, he's been awesome to interview. I I don't don't have to speak for you, but you get a chance to talk to him before every single game. This guy is a perfect fit for Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I I've said it um, time and time again um, how much I enjoy kind of working for him and and you know I've I've been able to do a few recruiting videos for them as well and kind of work on that side of it um, in addition to the media part of it and and my duties as a reporter, but, um, you know, he's as good as it gets. And I've just really enjoyed working for him. And, um, you know, he, it's everyone are like you know, the, when it was all kind of the speculation kind of started of him being potential, uh, candidate for teams in the NFL. Um, you know, he, he likes what he does here and he likes the age and, you know, the, everything that he's kind of talked about, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. Um, just because, I, and I, I think he, he enjoys kind of being the um, general manager of it all. And, you know, when you go to the NFL, you're kind of just coaching what they give you. And, and yes, I, I get that, you know, you have a say and whatnot, but I think all of it goes to, all of it goes in with being a head coach at the college level, I think he enjoys that. And he hasn't got to do it for very long. So, especially at a place like Oklahoma, and you've heard him say, you've heard various Switzer say that, you know, you can go to the NFL, but there are still jobs in the NFL that aren't as good as the job at Oklahoma. And I think Lincoln Riley realizes that more and understands that better than anybody.
4: And I think you hit on a really good point. Jess, you're on fire today. I like this. you hit on a good point. The general manager side of it, Nick Saban. When people cover Nick Saban, they go, why hasn't he gone to the pros? Well, in the NFL, you don't – I don't think most coaches would – would necessarily want to be the full-time GM. But how did Bill Belichick or uh, Bill Parcells put it? If you're making the meal, you want to be able to pick some of the groceries. Well, Nick Saban every year has an opportunity to pick the groceries that he wants to make his meal. Same thing for Lincoln Riley. You're not counting on taking on a roster, even if it has, as some mentioned with Cleveland, Baker Mayfield on it, even if it has guys you coached in college. I I love them locking them up. Uh, I think the NFL is going to keep trying. I think you're going to see teams come after him next year and the following year. But, uh, Jess, it's really cool to see that commitment made towards a guy that uh, truly digs college football right now.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And it's going to continue just like it does with Bob Stoops every single year, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be something that we're going to continue to hear, and and he'll deal with it, and we'll keep it. But it's not going away for sure. Good
4: stuff from Jess. Always, uh, Always tough to kind of – close a chapter on a football season and have to look ahead towards a long off season. Though, if you think about it, you've got now what I guess is the second signing day coming up in February. You got spring football right around the corner. You got summer camp. So there is a lot to keep us entertained. And oh yeah, by the way, we could have two first round picks from this, Uh, senior class slash early entries to the NFL draft from the Sooners. So it'll be worth keeping an eye on the draft coming up in April. So let's continue talking football. Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, caught up with a very special guest.
3: Great honor right now to welcome in the 2007 Heisman Trophy winner. You see him as an analyst on ESPN and uh, the SEC Network and a professional outfielder for the New York Mets organization as well, the great Tim Tebow. Tim, thanks for being on with us today. We appreciate
8: it. Absolutely. How are we doing, guys?
3: We're doing good. I had uh, the opportunity to have lunch with uh, one of your coworkers, one of my buddies, Dari Noka, down in Miami at the Orange Bowl. He vouched for you. He said okay, you're I a love good that guy, guy, so that's good. He's
8: awesome, except I will say we were trying to have a show in the rain, and uh, that guy does not like to get wet. He was <laughs> hes trying to have that umbrella out the whole time. I said, listen, Dari, you're not going to melt, man. You're okay
3: he's got a lot of makeup on tim there's a lot of you know he's he's kind of a prima donna there's a lot going on there what were your thoughts uh, thoughts on the orange bowl tim
1: um
8: my my thoughts were that um i think very similar to what they were going in that oklahoma and lincoln riley have a special offense honestly i would probably put it number one in college football um their scheme probably number one in all of football um but with that being said I think teams win championships, not one side of the ball. And you got to play complementary football. And and I just, they, there was, you know, just no time in that game. Was that game ever in doubt, really? And and that's because it's, you know, they, they got to be able to find a way to on the defensive side of the ball, be a little bit more physical, tackle in space, and um, and really bring a little bit more lumber, you know, and you know. Alabama is a great team that plays complementary football, and Oklahoma is a great scheme that has a great offense. And I do want to give a lot of love to Kyler Murray because what he did was so impressive, and Lincoln Riley deserves a lot of credit. Um, But I think the next step for Oklahoma is really being able to develop a defensive line and linebackers and safeties that can really run and tackle in space and and play a – and play physical when they need to. And, and I get that in the Big 12, there's not a lot. But in, in playoffs, you got to be able to bring that just a little bit.
3: You came out to Norman a little while back and sat down with Kyler. Uh, you are a two-sport star. What would your recommendation be if he asked you for um, what he should do going forward?
8: It, you know, it's something that we talked about. And, you know, uh, my advice to him was – and I don't want this to sound cliche or cheesy, but was to honestly follow your heart. Don't let other people define you or your decisions, and don't do it based on the money or what other people or your agents want you to do. You do what what your dreams are, what your ambitions are. If you want to do both, do both. If you just want to focus on one, then do that. If you want to play one for a few years and change, do that, but don't. Don't let other people define you or live your life for you um, because I think that's the easiest way to have regret. But if you go out there and you give everything to whatever it is that you choose and and you totally um, just you you grind for whatever it is and you give everything, I I don't don't think you're going to have regret. And I think he's going to do that.
3: Did you have a hunch after you left that interview of what you think he's going to do?
8: I think I had a hunch that he's being torn by how much he loves both sports and by, you know, every everything that he's hearing um, and that he's around in the media because that does play a part. It's um, you know you hear it all the time, but I think that he is an extremely talented young man that very few people have I seen or been around that are as quick twitch as he is.
3: Who you got, Bama or Clemson?
8: Uh I'm going Bama right now. Um haven't really, you know, sat down and, and processed it too much yet, but I I just think that um that I think they'll match each other's physicality. I think um when I, you know, go to to weapons, I'm going to lean towards Bama when I l- pick quarterback, I'm going to lean towards Bama um and I, I think Dabo Sweeney, he gives Clemson a shot because he's not intimidated by Sabin or Alabama. We've clearly seen that in the last three matchups. Um, and it gives Clemson a chance because most teams lose to Alabama before, you've ever, before the ball's ever been kicked off. But um, I think it's going to be a, a much more competitive game, which will be exciting, um, but I'm leaning towards Bama.
3: We're stuck in a, a cycle here, Tim, of seeing these same two teams over and over every year. Is this good for college football or no?
8: Um, no. It, it's. It, I love it because I love seeing greatness. I think what Saban's doing is absolutely like top-tier greatness. I think what Dabo is doing is getting there. Um, do I think for your average fan it's as exciting as if new teams are getting there no i don't think it's as exciting but it's something i appreciate it and i I hope other people can but i think people would love to see um you know fresh fresh colors in there well
3: that's a good win for your gators on saturday
8: yeah that was a big win that was um it was a big win i think many people gave them a shot um but I think the way that they have improved throughout the season, what they're buying into, everything Dan Mullen is selling is is really paying off. And man, they played hard. They, you know, they played really, really hard, really physical. And um, you know, I thought it was impressive. And I said this at halftime on TV was, I said, what what's, you know, you expect Florida skill players to be able to compete, if not win, in that area, but where where Florida really um, stepped up was they matched Michigan on offensive and defensive line with physicality. They matched them. Uh, Florida's offensive line was pushing them around a little bit, where they're getting four or five yards a chunk. And then in the second half, you know, they're getting 15, 20. There's a third and 20 where they're running for a touchdown. Like, it's just that that's, that's impressive when you're able to win the, the physical matchup against a team like Michigan that you know is – I mean, they're built to bring the hat.
3: Are you comfortable where we are with the 14 playoff, or do you want to see it expand?
8: No, I'm comfortable with the 14 playoff. I think what's special about college football more so than than really any other game is that every game matters. Every game throughout the regular season matters. That's what's special. Why the regular season for college football is better than the NFL regular season is because every game matters in college football. NFL, you get redos. You get do-overs. And in college football, you might get one, right? You might get one, but that's it. And so you got to show up every single week. And I don't want to take that away from college football because – If we do, then we're just getting closer to basketball and March Madness. And guess what? You know how many of us watch the regular season? Very few. You know how many of us watch the tournament? A lot. But we don't want to lose how special the regular season is for us, and that's why I don't want to expand it too much.
3: All right, you're doing some great stuff coming up uh, with uh, Florida Georgia Line, I know, down in New Orleans. Tell folks about this uh, All-State AFCA Good Works team and what you got going on down there in the Big Easy.
8: Yeah, Florida Georgia Lions teaming up with us at Allstate and the FCA Good Works team, and we have the whole team joining us in just over an hour, and we're refurbishing a school um, for underprivileged kids, and then Florida Georgia Lions will be performing tonight, and we'll also be honoring all of the these student athletes tomorrow night at the Sugar Bowl at halftime for everything they've done in their communities. Um, and honestly, for a lot of them around the world on mission trips and um, – you know there's just a lot of awards that we give to people for um, for how good they're on the field but what's more important and what we need to celebrate a lot more is what they're doing off the field and that's why I'm so excited to be the ambassador for the Good Works team is because we're telling these student athletes that what you're doing in your community and the impact that you're making is more important and that's something that we want to celebrate and it's also something we want to make cool for the next generation that volunteering that helping that caring loving and being kind is more important and it's a special message that we're getting to share
4: good stuff from tebow good stuff from t-row and as you might imagine i kind of feel that same way uh i think the future is very bright for ou regardless of what happened in the orange bowl all right guys let's wrap things up with some final thoughts from the coach lincoln riley's post-game press conference was inspiring Obviously somber, but also in the same vein focused. Here was Coach Lincoln Riley meeting with the media moments after the Orange Bowl.
9: Yeah, it's uh, you know not the result that we wanted or expected. Uh, you know, kind of a tale of two different games for us. You know, the the start of the game. You know, give Alabama credit; they're a really good football team. They made a run on us there early. We just had a hard time breaking their their string of momentum and but i I felt like our team until really the last run down there at the very end felt like we were going to win the football game even despite going down 28 nothing i mean we we just kind of kept talking hey we've been here except we've been here with way less time and and still found a way to come back before and we've trailed seven now eight ball games here this year and uh, found a way to win almost all of them and so after that, we outscored him by 17 the rest of the way. And, uh, you know, so we played much more, just much closer to what we felt like we were capable of there the last three quarters. And uh, unfortunately, we just dug ourselves too big of a hole, and we were just one play away there in the fourth quarter from, you know, making it just a, a game that could go either way. So, disappointed the way we played early, uh, but I am proud as hell of our guys' fight and our belief. Um, we're gonna, you know, we've still got a bunch of Big Twelve trophies. We're gonna hold that tall, skinny one here in a couple of years, and we're gonna hold it in the large part because of the fight from uh, these seniors in this program, uh, all the players, the staff. That I, we've had some really good teams here the last four years, but I don't know that we've ever had a team. And I just told them this in the locker room that has had the fight in them that this team has, and that that. That's going to do wonders for our program. That's going to make us a better program. What this team did this year, and so I'm thankful for them. Thankful for a historic senior class that did something that no Big 12 team or no Oklahoma team has ever done, and uh, winning four straight Big 12s, um, and countless other honors, you know, awards, um, great wins, and so it's been a been a hell of a ride. Hate that it ends right now because you know you're sick. You feel like you. You know, right there. You know, being ready to play next week, and uh, was certainly again we fully expected to win. But give give Alabama a ton of credit. They're they're a really really good football team. Uh, Coached very well. Outstanding players all around. It was a it was fun. I mean, it was a heavy hitter, just like we all expected.
7: We'll take questions up here at the front. Can we get a mic? Thank you.
5: James Hale, Sports Talk, 1400, the Ref in Norman. Lincoln, you guys are usually such great starters. What do you think happened at the start of the game? Because you guys usually are the ones that get on top of teams at the beginning
7: of the game.
9: Yeah, we just, you know, we kind of picked a bad time. We kind of just played our our worst ball at the beginning. I mean, we just, very simply, just, we didn't get stops. You know, gave up some big plays to them. Uh, They made some really nice competitive plays down the field, and then we, we just had trouble kind of gaining our traction early offensively. Um, every time we'd have a good play, we seemed to kind of just shoot ourselves in the foot. So we were just we were just a little off early, you know. We, you know, obviously didn't do a good enough job coaching them early, and I thought it took us just a little longer to settle into this one than it than it normally does. And it's like we were just kind of waiting for that spark, and it just took it took longer. So I mean, they just they outplayed us early. I mean, I think it's as simple as that, and uh, it was just a complete tell of two games. I mean, they. They completely outplayed us early, and then we completely outplayed them pretty much the rest of the way.
5: Uh, Lincoln, uh, George Stoya, OU Daily. Uh, you, you you got the team together at the end of the first quarter, I think it was. Um, and like you said, you guys went on to outscore them, I think, after the score in the second quarter, 34-17. to 17. What What did you share with your team in that moment? Can you kind of take us through that?
9: Yeah, just... I just wanted us to to know that we were still in it and just reminded them of all the adversity that we faced this year All the tough games all the times that we were down people counted us out and I uh, just wanted to make sure that the entire team heard that message and listen those You can go yell and holler and say whatever you want as a coach. That's there's not a any magic words that I said The credit goes to these guys up here and those guys in those locker room because they're the one that went and did something about it and um Played, you know, played pretty good football from there. From then on out. So, no magic words. That's just the, the guts of this team. And I was just making sure they didn't forget that, and they, they damn sure didn't.
7: Middle of the room, second row. Dean
9: Blavins, News 9 Sports, Oklahoma City. Lincoln, a couple of things with your receivers. C.D. Lamb didn't get involved much in that first quarter, but your thoughts on just him coming on and, and doing what he did. And secondly, when was it you realized that you weren't going to get out of Hollywood what you – normally do and how did you adjust to that yeah um yeah cd was phenomenal the whole night if we could have done anything more we probably you know he caught eight we probably should have thrown him about 20. i mean he they had a hard time covering him they tried some different things and Kyler and him made some great plays together we started to protect better gave him some time and and uh so he was phenomenal uh yeah hollywood he was honestly Probably wasn't as good as we thought he was going to be. He had had some good days of practice. I thought I thought there was just honestly just some rust. I mean, just you had about a whole month here where there was just very, very little he could do. And uh, so we were a little worried about that today, even if he's feeling pretty decent early. I mean, it's just been a long time since this guy's done a lot. And then you had in a, a hot, muggy night. I thought conditioning was a little bit of a factor for him, which is understandable. We tried every way to condition him without aggravating the injury as possible. Um, so yeah, I honestly, probably thought we would get a little bit more out of him, but as he, we got into the game, he just you could tell he just would not quite himself. And so, uh, proud of Charleston Rambo stepped in and made some big plays for us there, and bodes well for the future for him.
1: Right side of the room, far right side of the room.
9: Uh, for Lincoln, uh, John Hoover. The. the hey, oh wait,
6: the uh, John Hoover the franchise. Sorry. Um, last year, I asked you how close you were to winning a national championship, and you guys were inches away. From beating Georgia and they're inches away from beating Alabama this year. When you step back and look at it, I know it's early, but how close are you to winning a national championship?
9: Well, I think it's you know I think it's we'll see what happens you know here in eight or nine days. But I mean I think it's pretty clear that Alabama's a, a national championship caliber team, uh, just like Georgia was, and uh, I, I think we're I think we're right on the doorstep. You know, there's there's no doubt, and I think the talent level's growing. Uh, the recruiting is going great. Uh, the program, I think, is headed in such a great direction in large part because of these guys up here. And uh, the fight in this program has never been better. So it's agonizingly close. It is. and uh, But we've got to continue to take steps in the right direction, and we're going to do everything we can to get that done.
7: Can I get a microphone here to the front?
0: Yeah, Barry Tram with the Oklahoman Curtis. How would you feel the defense held up tonight?
4: And and when you couldn't get stops there particularly down the stretch, what what, uh, was the
9: issue? Um, We just flat out didn't play good enough. Um, You know, I thought we came out uh, on the first drive a little bit too aggressive. I thought um, they were going to try to out-physical us from the beginning of the game, and uh, they kind of mixed it up on us. And we didn't adjust to it well enough, Um, didn't get off blocks well enough, didn't tackle well enough. didn't cover well
2: enough. I'm um, just all around. I think it was a night. Uh, let the team down. Anytime you give up that many
9: points, um, not gonna let anybody else take the blame. But us and as the leader of the defense, that falls on me. Um, just wasn't good enough. Uh, that 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 falls on all of us. You know, Curtis is a great leader for us. Proud of that kid, where he he was two, three years ago to where he is now, he's been a great leader. Been a spark plug for us all year. That going down that way we did early was everybody had a hand in that. Coaches, offense, defense, special teams, everybody. Everybody also had a hand in, outscoring them by 17 the rest of the way, including our defense, including Curtis.
1: Back of the room, middle.
3: Kerry Murdoch from uh, centerscoop.com. This is for Ben and and Drew, both you guys. Uh, Drew, you especially, you've been through this now three times. I'm I'm curious just kind of how you feel about the legacy that that you leave, you know, leaving here, rebuilding this offensive line into, you know, a Joe Moore Award winner this year. Uh, And then secondly, both you guys, just your thoughts on Creed tonight and how he did against uh, 92.
2: Uh, well, first of all, um, I'm really proud of the way that this offensive line has developed. You know, uh, we came in 2015, Ben came in the year after, and, you know, we, we weren't sure what we were going to do after Orlando left, um, but we all leaned on each other. We knew that we had to take this offensive line. Uh, it was our year. It was time to go. We just looked each other in the eyes and knew that we, we wanted to go accomplish something, and luckily we did. Um, you know, I'm... I'm the legacy that we left, I think, completely has to do with perseverance. You know, all of us have, have been through our struggles. And the last time I was here in 2015, I, I felt like I had lost the team the game. Um, you know, Ben, no offers coming out of high school and then coming and doing what he did in college. I feel like this group has the most perseverance of any group in the nation. I, I feel like that showed tonight. Ben? Yeah, uh, Creed had a hell of a game. Um, I'd say, out of all the players on the team, he has he has one of the brightest futures. He, he played great. And if it wasn't for him stepping up this year the way he did, I don't think we'd be sitting sitting here today.
1: Not one last question. We'll go to the side of the room.
9: Coach, uh, basically, your, your overall respect to it. Of the yeah, a ton of respect. Uh, you know, thought he moved around well. You know, I thought he. I just really threw the ball well. I mean, there just wasn't many of the passes that that uh, that weren't on target. You know, made a lot of great throws. Didn't give us too many opportunities. I thought he gave us one there uh, on one of the deep balls that the guy ended up catching. Thought we had a chance to to pick that one. But yeah, he he did a great job. He played well. He's a heck of a player. Obviously, has a bright future, and and he's a great kid. You know, we got to know him. Uh, him and his family a little bit on the uh, little award circuit, and that's an awesome family. He's got a magnetic personality, and and, uh, obviously he's a fantastic player.
4: Well, thanks as always for joining us for the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to spread the word, Soonersports.tv slash podcast, and until our next episode coming up next Tuesday, have a great start to 2019, and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has
3: been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at soonersports.tv/podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OUontheair.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator